All right, welcome to Charm of the Water. My name is Aaron David. This is Night of Venus. It's 11.39 p.m. July 22nd, 2022. Hope you had a good Friday. Maybe had a pizza or something. Pizza Friday? Um, I want to read some from the Hermetica and then share my personal experience. And uh, I just picked this up today. <clears throat> opened it and something jumped off the page at me and I was like wow I don't remember seeing that before uh, so let's go ahead and jump into it shall we yeah I did a little bit Adam the woo there shall you is that what he says shall you shall you shall we anyway all right this is from chapter 10 of the Corpus Hermeticum Discourse of Hermes Trismegistus, the key. You can perhaps hear my cat, Ina. Whenever I close a door, she wants to know what's going on in there. She's meowing on the other side. Ina. Yesterday's discourse, Asclepius, I entrusted to you. It is right that I entrust today's to Tat since it is a summary of the general discourses delivered to him. Therefore, O Tat, God the Father and the Good have the same nature, or rather activity. Nature is the term for growth and increase, which apply to things that change and move, while activity applies also to the unmoved, to the divine, that is, in which he himself wishes to include the human elsewhere, <clears throat> the human. Elsewhere, we have taught about divine as well as human activities, which one must now understand in the same sense as on those other occasions. God's activity is will, and his essence is to will all things to be. For what are God the Father and the good, but the being of all things and of other things that are no longer, at least the very substance of their existence? This is God, this is the Father, this is the good, to whom nothing else belongs. For the cosmos, as also the Son, is itself the Father of things that exist by participation, but for living things it is not also equally with God the cause of good nor of life, but if it is the cause, it is in any event entirely constrained by the good will, without which nothing can be or come to be. The Father receiving the appetite for the good by the way of the Son causes the begetting and rearing of his children. For the good is the principle of making, but the good can come to be in none other than him alone who receives nothing but wills all things to be. I will not say who makes, Tat, for much of the time one who makes is wanting both in quality and quantity in that sometimes he makes and sometimes not. Now he makes this kind and this many now the opposite. But God the Father is the good in that he wills all things to be. So it is then for one who can see. For God also wishes this seeing to happen, and it happens for him too, and chiefly, and all else happens because of it. For being recognized is characteristic of the good. This is the good, Tet. You have filled us with a vision, Father, which is good and very beautiful, and my mind's eye is almost blinded in such a vision. 
Yes, but the vision of good is not like the ray of the sun, which, because of its fiery, dazzles the eyes with light and makes them shut. On the contrary, it illuminates to the extent that one capable of receiving the influence of intellectual splendor can receive it. It probes more sharply, but it does no harm, and it is full of all immortality. Those able to drink somewhat more deeply of the vision often fall asleep, moving out of the body toward a sight most fair, just as it happened to Oranos and Kronos, our ancestors. Would that we too could see it, Father. Indeed, my child, would that we could, but we still too but we are still too weak now for this sight. We are not yet strong enough to open our mind's eyes and look on the incorruptible, incomprehensible beauty of that good. In the moment when you have nothing to say about it, you will see it, for the knowledge of it is divine silence and suppression of all the senses. One who has understood it can understand nothing else, nor can one who has looked on it look on anything else or hear in anything else nor can he move his body in any way. He stays still, all bodily senses and motions forgotten. Having illuminated all his mind, this beauty kindles his whole soul and by means of body draws it upward, and beauty changes his whole person into essence. For when soul has looked on the beauty of good, my child, it cannot be deified while in a human body. Deification, Father, what do you mean? The changes that belong to any separated soul, my son. What do you mean by separated? In the general discourses, did you not hear that all the souls whirled about in all the cosmos, portioned out, as it were, come from the one soul of the all? Many are the changes of these souls, then some towards a happier lot, others the opposite. The snake-like change into water creatures, the watery change into things of dry land, the dry land souls change into winged things, the aerial into humans, and human beings changing into demons possess the beginning of immortality. And so then they enter the troop of gods, which is really two troops, one wandering, one the other fixed. <clears throat> And this is soul's most perfect glory. But if a soul that has entered into humans remains vicious, it neither tastes immortality nor shares in the good, but turns back and rushes down the road towards the snakes. And this is the sentence pronounced against a vicious soul. The vice of soul is ignorance. For the soul, when it is blind and discerns none of the things that are, that are nor their nature nor the good, is shaken by the bodily passions, and the wretched, things become, the wretched thing becomes, in ignorance of itself, a slave to vile and monstrous bodies, bearing the body like a burden, not ruling, but being ruled. This is the vice of the soul. The virtue of the soul, by contrast, is knowledge. For one who knows is good and reverent and already divine. Who is this person, Father? One who says little and hears little, 
He fights with shadows, my son, who waste time on talking and listening to talk. One neither speaks nor hears of God the Father and the good. This being so, that there are senses in all things that are because they cannot exist without them, yet knowledge differs greatly from sensation, for sensation comes when the object prevails, while knowledge is the goal of learning, and learning is a gift from God, for all learning is incorporeal, using as instrument the mind itself, as mind uses body. Both enter into body, then the mental and the material, for everything must be the product of opposition and contrariety, and it cannot be otherwise. Who is this material God, then? The cosmos, which is beautiful but not good, for it is material and easily affected, and of all those things that feel effect, it is foremost, but among the things that are, it is secondary and incomplete in itself. Once it has come to be, it exists forever, but it exists in becoming, and comes to be forever as the becoming of qualities and quantities, for it is subject to movement, and every motion of matter is becoming. The immobility of mind initiates the motion of matter in this way, since the cosmos is a sphere, a head, that is, and since there is nothing material above the head, just as there is nothing of mind below the feet, where all is matter. And since mind is a head which is moved spherically, in the manner of a head, that is, things joined to the membrane of this head, in which is the soul, are by nature immortal, as if they have more soul than body, because body has been made in soul. Things far away from the membrane, however, are mortal because they have more body than soul. Thus every living being, and likewise the universe, has been constituted of the material and the mental. And the cosmos is first, but after the cosmos the second living thing is the human, who is first of the mortal beings, and like other living things has ensoulment. Moreover, the human is not only not good, but because he is mortal, he is evil as well. For the cosmos is not good because it moves, yet because it is immortal, it is not evil. But the human, because he moves and is mortal, is evil. A human soul is carried in this way. The mind is in the reason, the reason is in the soul. The soul is in the spirit. The spirit, passing through veins and arteries and blood, moves the living thing, in a manner of speaking, bears it up. Some hold, therefore, that the soul is blood, mistaking its nature and not seeing that the spirit must first be withdrawn into the soul, and then, when the blood thickens and the veins and arteries are emptied, emptied this destroys the living thing, and this is the death of the body. All things depend from one beginning, but the beginning depends from the one and only, and the beginning moves so that it can become a beginning. Only the one, however, stands still and does not move. There are these three, then, God the Father and the good, the cosmos and the human. And God holds the cosmos, but the cosmos holds the human. And the cosmos becomes the son of God, but the human becomes the son of the cosmos, a grandson, as it were. For God does not ignore mankind. On the contrary, he recognizes him fully and wishes to be recognized. For mankind, this is the only deliverance, the knowledge of God. It is ascent to Olympus. 
A soul becomes good only in this way, though it is not good forever, but becomes evil. By necessity it becomes so. What do you mean, O Trismegistus? Envision the soul of a child, my son, which has not yet accepted its separation from itself. Its body has not yet attained its full bulk, of which it has only a little as yet. How beautiful it is to look at from every point of view, not yet sullied by the passions of the body, still depending closely from the soul of the cosmos. But when the body gets its bulk and drags the soul down to the body's grossness, the soul, having separated from itself, gives birth to forgetting, and it no longer shares in the beautiful and the good. The forgetting becomes vice. The same thing also happens to those who leave the body. When the soul rises up to itself, the spirit is drawn into the blood, the soul into the spirit, but the mind, since it is divine by nature, becomes purified of its garments and takes on a fiery body, ranging about everywhere, leaving the soul to judgment and the justice it deserves. What do you mean, Father? How is mind parted from soul and soul from spirit when you say that soul is the garment of the mind and spirit the garment of the soul? The hearer must be of one mind with the speaker, my son, and of one spirit as well. He must have hearing quicker than the speech of the speaker. In an earthy body occurs the combining of these garments, my son, for the mind cannot seat itself alone and naked in an earthy body. The earthy body cannot support so great an immortality nor can so great a dignity endure a defiling contact with a body subject to passion. Mind, therefore, has taken the soul as a shroud, and the soul, which is itself something divine, uses the spirit as a sort of armoring servant. The spirit governs the living being. Then, when the mind has got free of the earthy body, it immediately puts on its own tunic, a tunic of fire, in which it could not stay when in the earthy body. For earth cannot bear fire. The whole thing burns even from a little spark. This is why water has spread around all the earth, guarding like a fence or a wall against the burning of fire. Mind, which is the most penetrating of all the divine thoughts, has for its body fire, the most penetrating of all the elements. And since mind is the craftsman of all beings, it uses fire as an instrument in its craftwork. The mind of all is the craftsman of all beings. The human mind is the craftsman only of the things that exist on earth. Since it is tripped of fire, the mind in humans is powerless to craft divine things because it is human in its habitation. The human soul, not every soul that is, but only the reverent, is in a sense demonic and divine. Such a soul becomes holy mind after getting free of the body and fighting the fight of reverence, knowing the divine and doing wrong to no person in the fight of reverence. The irreverent soul, however, stays in its own essence, punishing itself, seeking an earthy body to enter, a human body to be sure, for no other body contains a human soul. It is not allowed for a human soul to fall down into the body of an unreasoning animal. This is God's law to protect the human soul against such an outrage. 
How then, Father, is a human soul punished? What greater punishment for a human soul, my son, than irreverence? What fire burns as much as irreverence? What beast maims the body so ravenously as irreverence maims the very soul? Do you not see what tortures the irreverent soul suffers, howling and shrieking? I'm on fire, I'm burning, I don't know what to say or do, I'm eaten up, poor wretch, by the evils that possess me, I neither see nor hear. Are these not the cries of a soul being punished? Do you too believe that what they all think, my son, that the soul which has left the body becomes an animal? This is a great error. For the soul is punished in this way. The mind, once it has become a demon, is directed to acquire a fiery body in order to serve God, and having entered into the most irreverent soul, mind afflicts that soul with scourges of wrongdoing. Thus scourged, the irreverent soul takes to murders and outrages and slanders and the diverse kinds of violence by which people do wrong. But when mind has entered a reverent soul, it leads it to the light of knowledge. Such a soul as this never has its fill of hymning and praising, always blessing all people and doing them good in every deed and word in memory of its Father. Therefore, my child, one who gives thanks to God must pray to acquire a good mind. The soul then can pass over into something greater, but not into any lesser thing. There is a community of souls, the souls of the gods commune with the souls of humans, those of humans with souls of unreasoning things. The greater take charge of the lesser, gods of humans, humans of living things without reason, and God takes charge of them all. For he is greater than all of them, and all are less than he. Thus the cosmos is subject to God, mankind to the cosmos, and unreasoning things to mankind." God stands above all things and watches over them, and energies are like rays from God, natural forces like rays from the cosmos, arts and learning like rays from mankind. Energies work through the cosmos and upon mankind through the natural rays of the cosmos, but natural forces work through the elements, and humans work through the arts and through learning, and this is the government of the universe. Depending from the nature of the one, and spreading through the one mind. Nothing is more godlike than mind, nothing more active nor more capable of uniting humans to the gods and gods to the humans. Mind is the good demon. Blessed is the soul completely full of mind, wretched the soul completely empty of it. Again, Father, what do you mean? <clears throat> do you suppose, my child, that every soul possesses the good mind? Our present discourse concerns this mind, not the servile mind of which we spoke earlier, the one sent below by justice. For without mind, soul can neither say nor accomplish anything. Mind often flies out of soul, and in that hour soul neither sees nor hears, but acts like an animal without reason. So great is the power of mind, but in a sluggish soul mind cannot endure. It leaves such a soul behind as clinging to the body, held down and smothered by it. Such a soul, my child, does not possess mind, and so one must not say that such a thing is human, for the human is a godlike living thing, 
not comparable to the other living things of earth, but to those in heaven above who are called gods. Or better, if one dare tell the truth, the one who is really human is above these gods as well, or at least they are wholly equal in power to one another. For none of the heavenly gods will go down to earth, leaving behind the bounds of heaven. Yet the human rises up to the heaven and takes its measure and knows what is in the heights and in depths, and he understands all else exactly. And greater than all of this, he comes to be on high without leaving earth behind. So enormous is his range. Therefore, we must dare to say that the human on earth is a mortal God, but that God in heaven is an immortal human. Through these two, then, cosmos and human, all things exist, but they all exist by action of the one. <clears throat> now, um, I'll jump to my experiences and what stuck out to me uh, just as I picked this up and browsed it. Uh, that's about the soul that has entered into human remains. Uh, I mean, let me try that again. But I'll just read this. But if a soul that has entered into human remains vicious, it neither tastes immortality nor shares in the good, but turns back and rushes down the road toward the snakes. And this is the sentence pronounced against a vicious soul. <clears throat> that is uh, really struck me because... When I first started this stuff, hermetic stuff, going back to 2013, um, one of the earliest practices I began was the pentagram ritual. And almost immediately I began having these dream experiences of fire and water. And the most potent one... Um, I was at the house I grew up at, and to the west, you could look up in the sky and see rolling in on the horizon. You had to look up. It was a just global-sized tidal wave rolling in towards me from the west. Behind me, to the east was all flame and fire falling from the sky. So the earth uh, from the west was being consumed by water coming towards me. From the east being consumed by fire coming towards me, there I was in the middle. In front of the fire falling from the sky, my father was walking towards me. Very serious gaze. In the west, in front of this massive tidal wave, was my grandmother walking towards me with this very serious gaze. And as these tremendous forces come together, I realize I'm going to die one way or the other. So is everybody else on earth. My father falls and is consumed from the fire from heaven. And I'm saddened by this I look over to my grandmother before this tremendous tidal wave and that's I make eye contact with her and I wake up 
And around that same time, um, this is one of the very, these two dreams are one of the very first two experiences I remember after having started the pentagram ritual. Uh, and the other one, I am far below the earth. And it it's, seems cavernous, like caverns or something. And standing behind me is this figure in a black robe. I can't see face, nothing, just a black robed figure standing directly behind me. And in front of me on the earth and ground, probably about two feet wide is this river, very fast moving river, extraordinarily fast flowing river, except it's, it's not a river of water. It's a river of small black serpents. And I'm aware that the figure behind me is a man. I believe he's a wizard of some sort or sorcerer or something. <laughs> and I know that he wants me to step over the river of serpents. And so I do. And it seemed like some kind of trial or some sort of important event. I didn't understand it, but uh, in the following days, I had a couple of dreams there were two small black serpents. They first appeared on my wrist wrapped around. And uh, in the next dream, they wrapped around my testicles, which was extraordinarily disturbing. But uh, I was kind of was like, you know, that was so strange. What was that about? And I always kind of drew a parallel to that underground flowing river of black serpents to uh, Mushishi's, the uh, anime Mushishi, I think it's called that, the river of life that flows. It's portrayed in at least one of the episodes. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But I always kind of uh, made the parallel to that. And it was kind of the source of life. And Mushishi, I think. After we watch that one. Um, at this time that I was having these dream experiences, I was with this uh, lady. And she was a Scorpio and she was extraordinarily psychic. Both of us were situated in evangelical Christianity. So this was very me stepping very far out of my comfort zone, beginning to do these practices. And have these experiences. But uh, this lady, she would always tell me all these crazy dreams she had. And it was obvious to me now. I mean, she's a Scorpio so she, and she was super psychic. Uh, just like Kelly is. And one of the things she told me right around this time. I hadn't told her about my snake dream. But she told me... Um, that she had a family member in California that she dreamed of and she dreamt that he had been shot and murdered and he falls out of this window after being shot 
lands on the ground, is dying. And as he's dying, these black snakes come and cover his entire body and consume him as he's like screaming. And she wakes up and she knows he's dead. And she calls her family in California and sure enough, he'd been murdered. And uh, I'm like, black snakes. That's weird. And you can see that this is just, you, you have so many of these experiences and it starts to build out a picture within your mind's eye of what exactly is going on here on this little blue planet with, with these humans. What is going on? Uh, and then I just browsed this. I don't remember reading this before. And uh, I was like, wow. So I just wanted to share that and read that. There's a lot more in that. It's very nuanced. At one point, you can hear Hermes almost waxing um, in a dualistic way. And then the next sentence in a non-dualistic way. And, you know. Um, where I stand today is I absolutely do believe that uh, you can land up in, well, as a hungry ghost or in an infernal realm or in a hell of your own design, uh, perhaps. I suppose I was saying that there are, there are serious things to think about um, in life and that one day death will arrive and uh, that will be kind of, uh, I think it catches most people off guard. Most people spend their entire lives trying to escape the fact that they, death is coming to them. Dissolution is coming. Nobody likes to look at Baphomet. What Baphomet in part symbolizes is this constant coming together and dissolution. And one, one part in the Hermetica, Hermes says, you know, nothing is destroyed. Destruction uh, comes to nothing. Everything becomes something else. It just continually becomes and then becomes dissolute to become something else. To become dissolute just continually man a mosquito bit me right here and it hurts so uh yeah there's lots of other stuff to ponder over there i'll probably listen back to myself and ponder them sometimes i do that when i read these bits uh, but i think this went well with some of the notions of the ascent of the soul from the mithraic liturgy there's some things in here to uh to think about stew on but for now we're at 31 minutes so i think i'll keep it short go see what kelly's doing she may have fallen asleep i don't hear anything anywhere <laughs> all right until next time